I want to start this morning by telling you the story of a young woman who grew up in St. Clair Shores, Michigan, which isn't too far from here. Uh, she grew up in a loving home with a mom and dad and two sisters, uh, but they didn't ever really go to church. They didn't talk about faith too often. And so for her entire childhood, she always kind of wondered really who God was and if there was anything that he could actually do in her life. And it wasn't until she was 19 years old that her older sister, who was just uh, 18 months older than her, invited her to a church in Royal Oak called Genesis. And this young girl went into this church and she heard the gospel. She heard the good news of what Jesus could do for her. And she remembers this moment to this day. And if, so if you sit with this woman and you ask her about this experience, she will tell you that she was at a place and time in her life when she was just really confused. And she was really just struggling to find purpose and meaning. And she wasn't really sure if God even knew who she was or if God cared about her. But that day in that church, she got to hear the gospel. And something drew her to begin this process in this journey of actually awakening faith in her heart and her life. And she went back the next week and the next week and the next week. And God did something in her life that, that she couldn't even hope or dream or imagine. All of a sudden, she went from just kind of thinking that God was far out there and he was distant from her to having a real and authentic relationship with him, knowing that she had actually received forgiveness for her sins, knowing that God actually did care about her and that God did have a purpose and a plan for her life on this earth. In fact, she was working at the time and not too long after she started attending this church, a, a, another coworker, or actually somebody came and began working at the same place that she was working at and just happened to be a fellow believer. And isn't it nice when you can be at a place of work and there's somebody else there that also believes in Jesus, that also shares your faith? And so these two became friends and the friend eventually ended up saying to this young woman, she says, hey, I know you drive really far to go to that church in Royal Oak. If you want to maybe attend church with me, my church is a little bit closer to my house and to your house. And so she made the switch to a church called Paradox, which is in East Point. And because of switching churches and because of being co-workers with this friend and because of uh, you know, going to church together, they really developed a deep friendship and bond. In fact, because of that, she was invited to a surprise birthday party for her husband. And wouldn't you know, there just happened to be this single student director in Shelby Township that was invited to the same exact birthday party. And it was at that birthday party, 13 years ago this month, that I met the woman who is now my wife. Here's the thing, none of that would have happened and our boys Henry and Brady would not be here today if her sister would not have made the bold step, if her sister wouldn't have said to Lisa, hey, why don't you come to church with me? Why don't you find and hear about the hope that I found in this community of believers and why don't you come and hear as this pastor preaches the gospel to you? One moment of time led to another moment of time, led to another moment of time 
which resulted in my wife being with me and me being with her and us having the two beautiful boys that God has blessed us with today. You never know the impact that you can have on someone's heart and life simply by being there for them and extending grace and mercy and the hope that you have found in Christ to them. Well, if you're a guest this morning, maybe this is your first time here, maybe you've been coming the last couple of weeks, maybe you've been coming since Christmas, we're so glad to have you here. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name's Tim, and I'd love to meet you right after the service through those four big brown doors and just shake your hand and thank you for joining us today. Uh, those of you that are watching online or maybe you're going to listen to the message later this week, uh, we're just so glad that you're taking time to do that with us, and we're so glad to have you following us uh, along as well. We're actually in the third week of a four-part a uh, sermon series called Including You. And one of the things that we've also been doing uh, this month is been going through the first chapter of the letter of Romans. And I know some of you, maybe you haven't been able to be here the last couple of weeks, and so maybe you haven't been caught up with exactly what is taking place, but Romans is this incredible letter written to the church in Rome. It was written by a guy named Paul, but more importantly, this letter was written by God because God is the one that gave Paul the words to encourage the church, and not only to encourage the church in Rome so long ago, but also that we could read it today and be encouraged by the very same words. And so for the last couple of weeks, this has been kind of the challenge that I've been presenting before you, is that all of us we would read through the entire letter of Romans, and that we would sit down and do this. And so yesterday, because it was a snow day, because we were most of us, after we were shoveling our snow, were probably still stuck inside the house, I thought it would be a good idea if my wife and I just read through it. And so we put the boys in the other room and we allowed them to watch Dude Perfect. Well, we went into the other room and I put on a timer and we both individually read it and we both finished these 16 chapters in less than an hour. So if you're wondering how long this takes, okay, a lot of times we can be intimidated by reading the Bible. And then we discussed the themes that kind of emerged as we read it together. Uh, somebody else posted online as, as they, uh, this was actually kind of cool, they didn't read it, they actually put on headphones and they listened to it while they were cleaning their house and it took them just about an hour to complete it. And so those of you that have commutes, maybe that's the way that you can do it. Put it in your car and listen to it when you go to your work or you go to wherever places that you need to go and just getting the word of God in your heart and your life and then do it again. Read through it again, but the second time you do it, to actually write down the overall themes that speak to you. What is it that God is speaking to you in his word? And if you're new to this, or maybe you've been doing this for a long time, there's some things in Romans that sometimes are difficult to understand. There's some concepts and words that, that maybe you've never you know, gotten a clear explanation for. And I would just encourage you to write those words and those concepts down and to kind of list out maybe some of the confusing parts that are in it. And then do this, come to church every single week. And if you can't be here every single week, then certainly join us on the live stream as so many do or follow along later on in the week. But don't miss a single part of all of this uh, process that we're on for these next few months as we walk through the book or the letter of Romans. In fact, we would even encourage you to read the section of scripture we're covering in church before you come. And so those of you that are in the know, you've been here the last couple of weeks, wasn't this week great? You only had two verses to read before Sunday. And I hope you were able to do that. If not, guess what? We're going to read them together today, and you'll see. It's right on the app. It's a great thing. Just hit a click on the reading plan, 
and you can even see what the sermon topic is for the week. If you don't have a smartphone, there are paper copies at the Connection Center. You can grab one of those on your way out. But today we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 1, six, verses 16 and 17. So I encourage you to grab one of the chair Bibles that are in front of you. If you're in the front row, they're underneath the seat. If you want to look at the Bible app on your phone, you can do that. If you're watching online, uh, you should be able to click right on the Bible tab and then go to Romans chapter 1 so you can follow along with us online as well. And while we're turning there, if you don't have a Bible, we would just encourage you to take the one that you're holding home with you today. This is what it says, Romans chapter 1, verses 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Just think in these two verses how many concepts there are, right? What is gospel? What is salvation? Who are the Jews? Who are the Greeks? What does righteousness mean? What does faith mean? And how is it that the righteous live by faith? So much within these two verses. In fact, most scholars will tell you that these two verses are the centerpiece to all of Romans. That this really is the culmination of everything that has been said already and everything that that the writer is going to tell us in the future all come down to these two verses. In fact, if you've been in church in any amount of time, the first a uh, sentence in particular probably really rings true to you. You probably have heard this before, that I am not ashamed of the gospel. And this is Paul, the writer of Romans. He is the one that is saying this. He's the one that's saying, I am not ashamed of the gospel. And if you don't know what the gospel is, it's simply it's this. It's the good news of what God has done for you through Jesus Christ. That God Almighty is the one who actually created the world. And he sent his son, Jesus, at just the right time to be born of a virgin, to live this sinless life, to go and to interact with people and to perform miracles, and, and to, interesting enough, spend more time hanging out with the, with the marginalized people of society and the outcast people of society, and giving them the hope that they could have that was found in him because he was from God. He was God's son. Ultimately, to be led to a cross, that he would sacrifice his body, that he would take the sins of the world upon himself and that he would die so that three days later he could rise from the dead and defeat sin and death and the devil so that you and I can experience a joy and peace inside our hearts and inside of our lives that is really difficult sometimes to explain. And even more than that, that one day we can enjoy eternal life with Jesus forever and ever and ever and ever. That is the good news. That's the news we should never ever get sick of hearing. That is the good news that God has called us to proclaim to those that don't know this truth. That is the gospel that, that God has called us to, to, to invite people to come and to be part of and to hear what it is that Jesus can do for their life. Listen, we know there's a lot of people that are walking around that don't have this hope, that are still trying to go through life on their own. They're still trying to manage their affairs on their own. Or maybe they think that they're not good enough for God. 
Maybe they think they're not good enough to be able to sit in a church or to be part of a church community, and so they wrongly uh, assume that the, somehow they have to go and fix their lives before they'll be accepted by God or be accepted by the church. And that's exactly the opposite of how it actually happens. God loves you and God meets you in your moment of need. In fact, God is always drawing you to himself. Amen. It is God that is at work in the heart of humans. It is God that is at work. In fact, this is why it says he's not ashamed of the gospel. And here's the best part about not being ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God. We don't have the power. I don't have the power. You don't have the power to convert somebody. To have somebody that doesn't follow Jesus all of a sudden become a follower of Jesus. God does all the work and he gets all the credit. He awakens faith in our hearts and our lives. We're just there as instruments of him to be salt and light into our world, to be in our community, to rub shoulders with people, to love people unconditionally, to not judge people, but to say, man, I found this hope in Jesus and I would really love for you to have the same hope that I have and this guarantee of eternal life because life is in fact frail and it's short and it's full of all sorts of obstacles and hardships. But man, you can have this joy and this peace that I found because I have a relationship with the one true and living God through Jesus Christ who died and rose again for me. That is the gospel for us today. That's salvation. You might be wondering, well, what is salvation? It's a nice churchy word. We use it a lot. Does anybody know what it means? We go, I'm, I'm, salvation sounds good. I've heard that one before. Salvation actually means that you've been rescued. It literally means that you have been rescued. That God who created the earth and he put Adam and Eve in the garden, he knew that they were going to screw it up. He knew that they would fall into sin. And because of the first man and first woman falling into sin, that is why we still deal with sin today. That's why we still have hardships on this earth. In fact, this is how Paul put it in the sixth chapter. He said this, For the wages of sin is death. But don't focus on that. Look at this. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The free gift. Again, you don't go fix yourself. You don't go fix your relationships and your marriage. You don't go fix your family and then decide that you're going to be a follower of Jesus or then decide you're going to be part of the church. No, God accepts you just as you are with all of the things that you have in your life and you come into faith with him and you come into contact with him and he's the one that begins to change your heart and change your mind and do what only he can do, bring you to faith and bring you to the hope that you can have in him. In fact, in Romans 10, this is how it's put, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Amen. Simple as that. You don't even have to overcomplicate it more than that. It's, it's that simple. If you confess in your mouth and you believe in your heart, in fact, out of your heart, the mouth speaks. So it starts in your heart and it starts with God coming to you and producing faith in your heart and your life and doing something that you can't do for yourself. And as a result of that, your mouth speaks and all of a sudden you realize, wow, I have hope. All of a sudden, I have peace. All of a sudden, I have joy in my life. All of a sudden, the things that didn't make sense before, all of a sudden, they start making sense because you find Jesus. And if you're here this morning and maybe you've never had a relationship with Jesus, 
He's drawing you today. You're here today to hear this, just as my wife was here to hear that so many years ago in that church, that you're here today to hear that. It's the greatest thing that you could ever hear. In fact, the greatest miracle that you could ever see happen on this earth is watching somebody that doesn't know Christ come to know Christ. Did you know that? That's the greatest miracle. Now, maybe you're like me. You know, there's some bucket list kind of things. I mean, it would be kind of cool to see some other miracles, right? It would be kind of cool if you knew somebody was dead and they got brought back to life. How many of you would be like, I'll sign up for that one? Or someone that you know is lame, right? There's something physically wrong with them, and all of a sudden, God decides that he's going to heal them, and they're healed. And even though those would be incredible things to see, nothing surpasses watching God transform the human heart and bringing people to himself and literally saving them from eternal death, but instead giving them eternal life. That's the love that he has for people. When it says here, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, it is the power of salvation that this promise is for everyone who believes. And then I know it gets a little interesting because it's like, well, it's first for the Jews and then it's for the Greeks. Well, why do the Jews get to go first? Like, what is this all about? Right? Does that mean there's like, does God have orders of people he loves? How does this work? And really, what this is, is is that the Jewish people have been God's chosen people from the Old Testament. That was just the people that he coveted with. It wasn't that he didn't love other people in the Old Testament. That was just part of his plan. And so at this time in this culture, they kind of, he's just kind of referring back to the Old Testament and God's plan. But I love this because Paul revisits this whole concept of the Jews and the Greeks later on. In fact, in chapter 10, he says this, For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches. I love the way he puts that. On all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. In case you forgot it from verse 1. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord of the Lord. In case you forgot it in chapter 3, I'm going to say it again in chapter 10. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Man, wouldn't it be incredible to watch that happen in our midst? Wouldn't it be incredible to watch that happen in your family and in your circles of friendships and in your neighborhoods and your schools and your places of work? Here's the incredible part. Not only is it that God is working all around us, all the time, and drawing men to himself and watching as really the lights come out in people's eyes and they receive this incredible hope that they can have. They receive the rescue, the salvation that Jesus provides. It also says the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead actually lives in you. If you're a follower of Jesus, think about this. God's spirit lives inside of you. You have part of God living inside of you. And there's all of these scriptures. In fact, Jesus told his disciples all of these incredible things that the Holy Spirit would do for them, that he would be a comfort to them. Anybody need comfort this morning? That he would be a guide to them. Does anyone need guidance this morning? That he would be the one that would convict us of our sins. That he would be the one that would help us navigate life. And when we start going down a road and temptation starting to take over and we start thinking in different ways that the Holy Spirit is there to constantly, nudgingly, lovingly put us back on the path that God has for us. That's absolutely incredible. And I think sometimes we don't realize, those of you that are followers of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is working in your heart and working in your life. And not only is he working in your heart, working in your life, look at what also the Holy Spirit does for you and for me. It says this in chapter 8, it says, And he searches hearts 
knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints. If you didn't know this morning, you're a saint of God. Now think about this. It is nice when you have people praying for you, right? How many of you, you know, if you got like a brother, a cousin, a relative, a neighbor, a friend, someone from church, you got your small group praying for you, that's great. I'm blessed because I know people pray for me because of the position that I'm in here at the church, but I also have a team of intercessors that pray for me every single month, and that's kind of their, their you know, um, mission here, which is incredible that I have that group. But there is nothing like the reality of the fact that you have God the Holy Spirit praying for you every single day. Think about that. That every day that you wake up, the Holy Spirit is there and he's interceding for you because you're a saint. And not only is he praying for you, he's praying that you will do the will of God on that day. That God has already prayed for you today. That God had already prayed that you would do his will today. Isn't that incredible? That he loves you that much that his spirit is inside of you and he's constantly obsessed with you and moving on your behalf. It says this, and we know that, that for those who love God, all things, all things, even in the midst of hardships, work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Man, thanks be to God, he never gives up on us. Even when we screwed up, even when we get it wrong, even when we go down the wrong path and make the wrong decisions, he's so loving and grace-filled that he puts us back in the places that he wants and he continues to work in our hearts and our lives. Now, if you've been a part of Shepherd's Gate this last year and maybe even these last three months, you might remember a sermon series that we did called Forward. And in that, I had the opportunity in October to kind of lay out what we believe God has put on our heart for the next five years of our church, from 2020 to 2025. And wouldn't you know that it's, always, it's already been three months. And I know that all of you remember that sermon series and every single one of those sermons that I preached from October, right? <laughs> no? So maybe this will help you this morning. There's probably a couple of you that maybe you forgot, so I'll just help you this morning. Okay, ready? Here we go. Part of our new vision statement is this. This is the first of the three-part vision statement, is that we will value everyone we meet. You and I, and the people that we come in contact with, that we will value everyone we meet. And this is how we're going to do it. We're going to make sure that everyone who walks through our doors feels welcomed, valued, loved, and part of the Shepherd's Gate family. That this church is going to be a place for people to call home and connect with friends who eventually become like family. This is probably one of the biggest strengths of our church is that when people get to know us and people become part of this community that we do, that that we are there for each other and that we bear each other's burdens and that we're there to rejoice with each other, but we're also there to mourn when each other are mourning, that we want to be this close-knit of a family. And guess what? It's 2020. It's here. It's been three months. And so what we're asking you is as you go out into the fellowship hall and as you're in the parking lot and as you're in the hallways of the church, that you have eyes and ears not just for yourself, And that you have eyes and ears, not just for the people that you already know, but that you're going to look around and you're going to find people that maybe look new to you and you've never talked to before. And you're going to go up and you're going to gauge conversation in them and you're going to introduce yourself and you're going to find out their story and how long they've been part of coming to Shepherd's Gate. That no one would slip through the cracks, that no one would ever come to a service here at Shepherd's Gate or any of the programming that we have throughout the week and not feel loved or valued or important. And when I said this three months ago, do you know you as a church, you all said, amen, you clapped. 
You said, we are on board for this. Guess what? It's 2020. It's time we got to put this into action. And the second thing is we said this. He said, we're also going to be great neighbors and intentionally pursue relationships with people outside our church. And this one's a little bit different, right? This one's a little bit more difficult because we got to kind of step out of our comfort zones. And as we do that, we said the first thing we're going to do is we're just going to listen. We're going to hear their stories. We're going to find out what's going on in their lives. And we're going to speak gracefully as the Holy Spirit that we just talked about that lives inside of us gives us the ability to. And so we're going to speak whatever words of the Holy Spirit would lay on our hearts to speak to them. And while we're doing that, we're also going to love everyone wholeheartedly and unconditionally. We're not going to judge them. We're not going to tell them what you know, we think they should do with their lives. We're just going to say, hey, you know what? We're all screwed up. We all have circumstances and trials in our lives, but man, we have found this hope that Christ has given us and we want to share this with you. And not only do we say these are the things that we're going to go after, that this is part of our vision, that these would actually be our goals. Some of you might remember this number. That there's 478,858 according to the 2010 census in Macomb County and the surrounding community that have no faith, that have no hope, that don't realize what it is yet that Jesus can do for them. And so we said we will ask God, and another way of saying we will ask God is just saying we're going to pray. And we're going to pray bold prayers and we're going to ask God to trust the people of Shepherd's Gate, to trust us with those that don't yet know about the grace they can have in him. And so we're going to do that corporately as a church, but then individually, here's the second bullet point, individually, everyone, which is every one of you that call Shepherd's Gate home. If you don't call Shepherd's Gate home, this one, you're off the hook for this one. Everyone else, you're on board, right? Everyone will love and enter into authentic relationships and be a great neighbor. To how many people? Four people. Three months you've been working on this. How many of you, you got your four people down? How many of you know what the four people that God has laid on your heart who are uncertain or maybe they're unconnected with your faith? Now, when you came in today, the ushers were gracious enough to pan you uh, this card, and so I want you to grab that now, if you would, with me. Because here's where vision becomes reality. Here's where it becomes more than me preaching a sermon to you or trying to motivate you or encourage you. This is where you take this card home and you pray and you ask God who it is that should be on this list for you individually. Or if you want to do it together with your spouse, do it together with your spouse. Or you want to do it together as a family, you do it together as a family. And that you would pray about and for the next five years that you would do everything that you can to pray for these people, to connect with these people, to invite them over to your house, to go have coffee, to go have lunch, to go have dinner, to do whatever it is that you can be a great neighbor and watch as the Holy Spirit uses you to influence them, to share the love of Jesus with them for the next five years. The next five years. See, I'm not asking this morning to have 2020 vision. I want you to have 2025 vision. I want you to think five years from now, who is it that's going to be sitting next to you in these seats? Who is it that you're going to interact with that maybe you never thought would ever you know, approach or come in the doors of a church, but yet God, because it's his power that's at work, it's the gospel that he's drawing people to himself, that he is going to change the people in your life and you're simply going to be available to be there 
and to watch God at work. And maybe you're wondering, does this actually happen? Does this actually happen in the church? I want to tell you about this small group. That couple in the middle, that, that guy with the really cool shirt on, he's a great guy, his name's Emmanuel. And his wife Susan is to his right. See, they just happen to be, mem- they just happen to be uh, neighbors with members of ours named Jim and Julie Keenan. And Jim and Julie Keenan saw that they moved into the same neighborhood and began having conversations with them and began talking with them and began finding out more about their lives and then just simply invited them to Shepherd's Gate. Say, hey, you know, if you want to come, it'd be great to have you come. And you know, most people, the first time you ask them to come to church with you, guess what they say? No, I'm good, I'm fine, I'm great. And they just continued to build relationship, rapport with them, and said, hey, you know, if you want to join us for Christmas, you want to join us for Easter, and if you talk to Jim and Julie, this wasn't something that happened overnight, it wasn't even something that happened within weeks or months, it was just constantly engaging in conversation and doing life with them. And then eventually, Emmanuel actually started coming to Shepherd's Gate. He came without his wife, and he came for several months. And then his wife was like, why do you keep going there on Sunday morning? Maybe I should check that place out. So she began to come with him. And wouldn't you know, I want you to think about this, this all happened five years ago, okay? Five years ago. And within the course of the last five years, they went from attending Shepherd's Gate to being part of Jim and Julie's small group, which you see there. Let me tell you this, the first time they went to that small group, they'll tell you that it was difficult and it was kind of awkward and they were new to the whole thing and, you know, they weren't sure how to feel, but they just felt like they were supposed to keep going. And so there was an adjustment even within this small group that took time to develop relationships within this group. Do you know that both of these two are now on the usher team? They volunteer here at Shepherd's Gate. And it was just a year and a half ago, just to show you how God works, it was a year and a half ago that they finally said, hey, we want to become members of this church and they stood up here and became members of Shepherd's Gate. Why? Because Jim and Julie were in it for the long haul. Jim and Julie knew that God had put it on their heart that they were to reach out to their neighbors and just be great neighbors and that God was going to do the work that he can do. Let me give you another one this morning. This is another one of our small group. And it's going to be difficult to point them out, but there's a guy named Jim Knox that's in this picture. And he just happened to live across the street from a couple named Jerry and Phyllis Morris. And eight years ago, they were talking, and they were talking about the neighborhood, and Jerry asked Jim if he could go and do something, and Jim said, no, I have to go to, back then it was called house church, I have to go to my house church. And Jerry's like, house church? What's a house church? Sounds like a cult, right? Like, what is that? And he goes, oh, it's where people of Shepherd's Gate, they get together, and, you know, we we read the Bible together. So Jerry went back home, and he talked to his wife, Phyllis, and he's like, you know the neighbor goes to a house church? Maybe we need to keep better eyes on that house, right? Like, what is this all about? So throughout the course of the conversation, and through a series of events, next thing you know, Jerry and Phyllis went to this small group to check it out, to to see what it was all about. And for the next two years, stayed with this group of people. Two years they were in the small group because of their neighbor across the street. After two years, they started coming to Shepherd's Gate Church. Think about this. Jerry then all of a sudden saw that there was a mission trip coming up and he decided that he was going to take his teenage daughter on the mission trip. So he went on the Belize 2016 mission trip with his high school daughter and God rocked his world again. So much so that when the 2018 trip came up, and his daughter had graduated and went off to college. He said, I still want to go back. And he said, well, since you don't have a student, why don't we just put you on the planning team? 
And so we put him in a place of leadership and we had him organize all of the ministry. I'm not joking. It's one of the hardest jobs you can do on the planning teams is to have to organize all of the ministry that takes place at two different sites. And I watched as Jerry came alive. Jerry not only served on the planning team of the mission trip, check this out, he's part of our finance team here at Shepherd's Gate. He serves on our trustee advisory team. And okay, ready for this? Just this last year, he became the president of our church. This is the president of our church. He holds the highest lay leader position in our congregation. Why? Because a guy named Jim Knox eight years ago walked across the street and engaged in conversation with his neighbor. Man, this stuff is real. It actually happens. I can tell you this one. There's a 42-year-old woman who lives in Washington Township whose life was just really in a difficult season. She had a lot of obstacles thrown at her, and she thought, man, I need to do something. I need to do something to connect with God. And so she decided that she was going to go and volunteer at Samaritan House. If you don't know what Samaritan House is, it's our local food bank, and we just happen to be collecting groceries this month. And that's why you see grocery bags all over our church. And so while she was at Samaritan House, just reaching out, trying to connect with God, one of our members was also shoulder to shoulder with her serving. And as she began to open up about her life, our member, Judy Barron, who's here this morning, you know what she said? She said, hey, why don't you come to Shepherd's Gate? I just think Shepherd's Gate would be a really good blessing for you. I think Shepherd's Gate would really help you with these struggles that you have going on in your life. And you know what this 42-year-old woman said? She just said, no, nah, I'm good. No, I want to do this. I just want to stay here and work and, you know, be able to do this. And I feel like if I give back and I help people that are, that are going through difficult times, that, you know, maybe that's the answer to my problem. And if you talk to Judy, she said the Holy Spirit put on her heart, be persistent with her. Don't give up on her. Don't stop asking her to come to church with you, which is exactly what she did. Lovingly and graciously kept saying, come on, come to church with me this Sunday. Hey, I'll meet you at church this Sunday. Hey, I just really think that this is going to be the answer to the things that you're struggling with. And finally, she came to church with her here at Shepherd's Gate. Finally. You ready for this? It was five years ago. Five years ago that this woman came into this church. And here's the reality. This is why it's so important. Because 48 hours ago, Friday morning, her casket was right here. Her funeral was here at Shepherd's Gate. And the only reason her funeral was here at Shepherd's Gate was because of Judy Barron. Was because Judy connected her to this church that she didn't even know existed on 23 Mile. And this place was full of her family and friends. Her three little kids sat right there. Her husband sat right there. And I got to share about the hope that their mom and their wife and their friend and their relative received being part of this church. The gospel that she heard participating in Holy Communion, which we're going to do this morning, that her faith was straightened, that she knew where she was going because she clung on to the promises of God of eternal life. This isn't just a cute scripture that we read or something we memorize for Sunday school or we pass on to the kids. Man, this is, a, this is actual life and death circumstance. In fact, this is the most important thing that we can do as a church. And I believe God is stirring the hearts and the lives of the people that call this place home. Not just to get comfortable with the people that already call this place home, but there's a whole lot of people out there that don't know about Jesus. And it's personal. Man, it even starts in my own family, in my own life, with my own wife. God can use you. 
And I know some of you, you've been praying for your relatives and you've been praying for your friends for a long time. Do not lose hope. Do not lose hope. You have no idea what God is about to do. God is going to continue to work. God loves your relative. God loves your neighbor. God loves your friend even more than you do. And he has called us to simply not be ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power for salvation for everyone who believes. And God is not done in our midst and he's not done in this area of awakening hearts and lives for his purpose. Amen? Amen. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we thank you for everyone that is here this morning. God, we recognize that it is you that is working in our hearts and our lives. That is you that calls us by the gospel. That you, God, love us so much. God, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if there's anyone in here this morning that doesn't know you and maybe this is the first time that they're hearing of what it is that you can do for them, God, draw them close to you. May they realize the love and the grace and the mercy they can have in you. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning, we are going to prepare our hearts to receive Holy Communion. If you're new to Shepherd's Gate, our communion guidelines are going to be on the screens. But what we do in this moment is we take time to actually confess our sins. And once again, it's God's Spirit that helps us remember the things that have kept us from God and helps us to confess the sins that we need to confess this morning. And so with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, let's move into a time of confession. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have heard our confessions and because of who Jesus Christ is and because of what he has done for us, that you forgive us of all of our sins. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. You see, it was on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to the disciples and said, take eat, this is my body given for you. Do this, remembering me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to the disciples and said, Take, drink, this cup is the new covenant of my blood. It's given and shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Do this as often as you drink of it, remembering me. And so we come now and we receive Jesus. We receive forgiveness and we receive the strengthening of our faith. Just as we, as we receive this meal, we remember the strength that we have. We remember the love that we have each and every moment of our lives. I receive these words of encouragement today as we go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may he look upon you with favor and give you his peace today and forever. Know that you're loved. We're already looking forward to seeing you next week. Be safe, everybody.